This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafuma. Mark Thompson. Get woke. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we always do well when we check in with the chair of our party, the chair of the Democrats, the DNC, our good friend and brother, Jamie Harrison, fighting the good fight as always. Brother, how are you, man? I'm great, Rev. Thank you for so much for having me. It's always good being on your program. And it's good to have you. How are you faring in the heat this summer? Man. You know, it's hot. I'm from South Carolina originally, still live in South Carolina, and I didn't tell you, it is hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's no question about that. Uh, but there's somebody else who's got some heat on him. Uh, that looks like it'll be the Republican frontrunner. Judge Cannon announced today that instead of December, looking at a May of 2024 trial date, what are you hearing as you travel and you talk to voters? What is the DNC hearing from voters about this ongoing news about Trump's charges, maybe even other looming indictments, Georgia and elsewhere? What impact do you think that's having on voters? Well, you know, I, the bottom line is, Israel, that nobody is above the law. Uh, and uh, we have laws for a reason, and those laws apply to all of us. There's no kings or queens in this country. Uh, we live in a democracy, a, a land of laws, and so therefore those laws have to be applied to everybody, regardless of who you are or where you come from. And so, you know, what we're going to do is allow the justice system to play its course, uh, to see where this thing goes. And I think in the end of the day, the American people will make a judgment. Who do you want to be the leader of this nation? Uh, someone who believes that they're above the law or someone who will follow those laws? Uh, right now, Joe Biden has, has done such a tremendous job of staying out of the mess of that, leaving the Justice Department to do what they do uh, and to do what he does, which is to make sure that we're building an economy that works for all of us, uh, that, that we are we're living and we have somebody in the White House who we all can be proud of. And, and he's done a wonderful job of doing that over the past few years. And I think in the end of the day, the American people are going to reward him with another four years to continue to make progress. In the last quarter, he managed, you all managed to raise $72 million. That's impressive, right? It is. I mean, it, when you look at it, uh, Mark, this is more than all of the Republicans running for president combined. Um, and what's even more impressive is the cash on hand that we still have, that we're not burning through it. Um, uh, when you look at Ron DeSantis right now, he has a problem that, yes, he's raised some money, but he's burning through it uh, at such a, a quick pace that he had to lay off half of his staff. Uh, uh, Donald Trump, I just read something about him paying, uh, using a lot of his money for, for legal fees. Uh, so we are, we are making sure that we are raising the money so that we can use that, utilize that money to invest on the on-the-ground operations that we know will be necessary uh, in order to ensure that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris get reelected. And if I'm not mistaken, one of the things that's very significant about that $72 million, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, was it like 97% came from small donors? Yes. 
Uh, dramatic number. 97% of all the donations were under $200. And uh, the average grassroots contribution was $39. So, um, you know, very, very proud of, of what we are doing and what we are building. Uh, and I'm very particularly proud at the one team notion that we had between uh, the Biden campaign and the DNC. Uh, that we are all operating as one 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 team, um, and that's really really important. And as you know, you've been around this long enough. You know that that has not always been the case. That an incumbent president will rely so heavily upon the DNC, right? And, and so it, it's a testament. I'm proud of the team that we have at the DNC, and I think is a testament for the president to to have that type of confidence and the vice president to have that type of confidence in what we're doing and what we're able to, to achieve. Since you raised that too, Jamie, um, when you have that type of cooperation, doesn't that also beget success for all the other Democrats on the ballot, even down ballot and local? I mean, that's really what that yields, doesn't that, it? That is exactly right. We have been able to do something that no other president has ever done, which is sign up all 50 states and the DC and DC Democratic parties in an unprecedented agreement to work with the DNC and with the campaign to raise resources that help Democrats up and down the ballot. So it is a really a historic moment. But again, I've been telling people this from the very start, and you've heard me say this time and time again. Joe Biden on many fronts has been transformative as a president transforming the judiciary, transforming uh, what we've done in terms of policies, transforming also how we operate as a political party. Uh, and so is things always perfect? No, but I can tell you, we are leaps and bounds from where we've been uh, in, in past years, and we're only getting better. We can see even in some of those local races, the president always touts the local races and the impact the Dobbs um, anti-Roe decision had. And as we know, a lot of these struggles now are going to go down to local races. You mentioned there weren't always occasions when the presidential campaign and the DNC worked together. Um, and for that reason, we saw a lot of local elections go by the wayside. So I just want to emphasize that's why that's why that's so important um, and, 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 and what have you. In, in terms of success, he's he's coined a new new term. Explain it to our audience for those who may not. We remember Reaganomics, Lord Emory. I have PTSD every time I think about it. Ugh. Uh, look, and just on history, y'all, H.W. Bush called Reaganomics voodoo economics himself yes. before he joined the ticket. So I want to be clear on that. I'm not the only one. Um, and neither is Jamie the only one. Bidenomics. What is Bidenomics and, and how's it how's it going? Well, it's built on the president's theory of the case, and he's been implementing this that he believes that the best way to grow the American economy is not from the top down, and that's Reaganomics, but from the middle out and the bottom up. That's the best way in order to grow our economy, and that's what he's been doing. And he's made three fundamental changes in terms of how we move forward on this. First is making smart investments in America. I mean, think about the investments that this president's made in terms of rebuilding our crumbling infrastructure, bringing back jobs from home, and uh, you see this resurgence in American manufacturing. I just read an article the other day that talks about how America is the envy of the world in terms of the, uh, the boom that we are now seeing in manufacturing. 
The CHIPS Act was a big part of that. The, the infrastructure bill was a part of that. The Inflation Reduction Act, big part of that. The second part of that is about educating and empowering American workers. Because what the president wants to do, do is to see that uh, the wages of our workers increase. You know, as inflation goes down, we want to see people having more money in their pockets. And so that their net worth as a household increases as well. And so it, there's a, a focus on investing that, in that space. And the last part of binomics is making sure that we're promoting competition to lower costs and we're helping small businesses. Um, you know, how are we doing that? By working to ban non-compete agreements, ending junk fees that are just plaguing so many people that, you know, so much of our money goes out of our pockets because we're paying these junk fees that we don't even know anything about, right? In the end, you see one thing and then you end up paying something different because of a bunch of junk fees. Well, the president's getting rid of that too. And providing support and capital to small businesses. And we've seen particularly uh, black and brown small businesses really get a boom. Uh, best uh, investment in, in those small businesses over the last 25 years has happened under this administration. So uh, it, that's those are the core components of Binomics. Um, and it really is paying off. America's economy is the envy of the rest of, uh, of uh, the rest of the world. And that's because of this philosophy that the president has taken. A couple of months ago, in fact, um, we had r record lows in terms of African-American unemployment. In fact, um, that topic was that was the topic of the last interview. Uh, our good friend William Spriggs had on Make It Plain before his untimely passing. Uh, our dear economist, chair of the Howard University Department of Economics, chair, uh, chief economist for the AFL-CIO. Love Bill. Yeah, man. Love Bill. I mean, we all did. And I really don't know. You know, he's on par, I'm sure you'd agree, with Ron Walters. Yes. You know, those are yep. the brothers who really set the tone. And you've not seen scholars in their, their field, Ron Walters in political science, Bill Spriggs in economics, you've not seen scholars in, in of their kind really since Du Bois, you know. And, and, it really is true. And, and he was quiet but strong. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just such a strength and he knew his stuff. I really wanted, we, many of us had pushed to see if we could find some place in the administration for Bill. It's just such a... Um, such a good spirit, and, and he's going to be missed. I can tell you, leaving a big, big hole uh, yeah. in terms of uh, black academia, uh, particularly as it relates to understanding the economy and how it grows and, and the impact on the black community in particular. Yeah, no, no question about it. Now, in, in terms of when we, we talked about record low African-American unemployment, but now for whatever reason, you mentioned small businesses, all that's good by numbers, but for some reason, black unemployment is shot back up. And the, the numbers indicate from Bloomberg and other sites that 97 percent of the new unemployment claims in the month of June came from African-Americans. Any any thoughts on that or, or what is causing that and whether that is something that needs to be given more attention? Well, I, I know uh, looking at the impacts that uh, uh, that policy is having on the black community is a top priority for this administration, uh, for not only the president, but for the vice president uh, and making sure that that if we see something that is a trend line or something that is going up other than a blip, because, you know, sometimes 
things in the economy will just happen for one reason or another. Something happens geographically and you get a blip. Um, but we're going to make sure. I mean, the, the president looks fondly on having uh, to be able to say that he's a president that has had the record low unemployment for black America ever. Uh, and he ain't going he doesn't want to let go of that title. Uh, so we're going to do all that we can to make sure that we're investing in black communities. There's billions of dollars that we're pumping in these communities, particularly through the infrastructure bill, um, to make sure that these are not just good jobs, but good paying jobs, which are important as well. Because what we want is we want to see uh, many of the folks who are in the black community that are still mired in poverty break out of that uh, and move into the middle class. And so. Uh, that's something that uh, the Small Business Administration is looking at into, the Department of Labor is looking into, uh, and the administration. Very important, and we're, we're glad to hear that. Um, you mentioned the vice president as well. She's either in Florida today or en route to Florida. Yes, what she's in, going to Florida today. What in the world? So they're saying that the new curriculum, after banning black studies, African-American studies, now... I guess the new African-American studies is to teach that slavery was actually beneficial <laughs> to African-Americans. And, and I'm glad the vice president is speaking on speaking out on that. But please give us your thoughts about that. If you will. Well, and, and I'm sure the VP is going to bring some heat on this as well. And, and this is the thing that we are seeing right now across the country, particularly in many of these states run by Republicans. Uh, this revisionist history. Uh, in essence, and you said it right, the Florida Board of Education this week passed new standards to erase important parts of American history, particularly trying to teach our kids that enslaved people developed, developed skills which they could use for their own personal benefit. What? So in essence, you're trying to say, Florida, Ron DeSantis, that slavery was a good thing for the black folks? I mean, this is the type of thing that is dangerous to its core. But we see this. This isn't just one thing. You know, whether it's banning books, it's stripping away rights uh, from women to control their own bodies, to reeling against the LGBTQ community or rewriting the history to promote the benefits of slavery. These MAGA Republicans, which Ron DeSantis is, they, they continue to push this very extreme agenda that's just focused on taking away America's freedoms. And we cannot allow that to stand. And I'm so happy to have the VP down there. I'm happy because, you know, she grew up during the height of the civil rights movement. And I know as someone who uh, was born after the movement, but looked at, you know, looked at the movement. And I always questioned and asked, what would I have done had I lived during that moment? Well, Rev, we are in one of those moments right now. We are in the new civil rights movement because we are fighting against this extremism in the Republican Party to take back all of the gains that were made during that movement and to put us back on a reverse course. So if anybody ever wondered or ever asked themselves, what would I have done during that movement? Here's your chance. Here's your time to step up and to make sure that you are not silent. Don't be silent in the face of this. You got to push back against these efforts to take away our freedoms and to take away the progress that's been gained not only for our communities, but all communities. Uh, so I'm glad that the vice president is lending her power and her voice to standing up against the bigotry and the hatred and the division that you get from the Ron DeSantis of the world. 
not to mention what's happening with the Supreme Court, I now call the Plessy Court, especially since Clarence Thomas made his argument that black folks just always go back to HBCUs. Now, we all support HBCUs, but when somebody like him, like, like, like him says, when he says it, all right, he's talking about resegregation. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about it for the same reason. And we, Lord knows our HBCUs need more funding. We know the administration is trying to address that. But what do you, what are your thoughts about this latest Supreme Court term? We haven't talked since the reversal of affirmative action. We're seeing, as you know, corporations fire DEI executive diversity, equity, inclusion executives, even though this was only meant for the colleges and universities, yeah. people taking advantage of that, Jamie, Jamie Harrison. But what do you think about this, this affirmative, active decision, affirmative action decision and how far that sets us back? Well, you know, growing up and today is the, the birthday of uh, my former boss, my forever boss, Jim Clyburn. Uh, and, you know, who is a historian? And you learned a lot about history. You learned a lot about judicial history by working in that office. You know, I never thought that we would see a court as bad as the Taney court. Uh, but the Roberts court is, it's, I believe, worse. Because in the Taney court during that period in time, we, you know, we didn't have the rights. Well, now we have rights. And what you are seeing in the Roberts court is a rollback of those rights on all fronts and fashions. And so we, uh, you know, the affirmative action decision is just, it wasn't surprising coming out of this court because again, they're fundamentally trying to roll back the progress that we've made in this nation. And what was <laughs> interesting was they didn't tackle the legacy emissions when they could have tackled legacy emissions as well if they wanted make it this a true meritocracy, which Clarence Thomas always talks about. Um, and, it's, and it's sad, given the fact that he benefited from, from affirmative action. Uh, and then now he's trying to rip it away from so many others. Uh, but this is, this is why, folks, we have to understand this, that voting is not something that we just do one time. You know, voting is something that we have to constantly do in order to secure our freedoms and protect, protect democracy. Uh, we can't take it. It's not like vacation. You can take a week off and it'd be all right. You got to vote each and every time because just one moment. I mean, you think about the, the one moments of uh, the Gore versus Bush election and how that has had an impact on the court. Uh, you think back to the Clinton versus Trump election and how that has had an impact on the court. But for those two elections, had people, had we all engaged and done what we needed to do in those elections, we would be in a fundamentally different country right now and not be worried about our freedoms and our rights because we'd have a different philosophy sitting on those courts. And so, folks, this is this is an understanding from us. We cannot take the time off because the other side who wants to roll it all back are not taking time off. They'll wait 50 years if they have to. Look at what they did for Roe. Um, they, they'll wait and do whatever they have to do just to chip away at it. So we know what we have to do. We can't let up. We got to always push. We have to always go forward. We always have to protect what we have gained. Uh, and the only way that I know how to do that is by exercising that right to vote. You're right. They they were patient for 50 years. A lot of times we want to have 
Instagram and and immediate uh, and microwave responses or results to what our concerns are. We need to get back to that same discipline and yes. eternal vigilance and patience that the folks had when they didn't ride the bus in Montgomery and walk to work for a year. Amen to that. You know, Amen to that. And, and, and that's what we've got to get to. And that's what and really what we're saying is that's voting. We can never take off from voting up ballot, down ballot, all of that. You mentioned the synergy between the, the Democratic National Committee and the presidential campaign. But I do want to ask you about a policy issue since we're talking about Supreme Court right now. The, 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 the White House is not necessarily in favor of expanding the Supreme Court. Has the DNC, through its delegates and anything, has that been debated? Has that been taken up by the DNC itself? Or, or are you all pretty much in agreement with that right now? No, uh, you know, pretty much is the president's the head of our party. Uh, and so we, we are working with the president uh, with, with the philosophy that he has. He does believe, though, that, you know, we need to make sure that the court is living up to the ethics rules and all of the other things that are that are really important. Uh, right now, the Democrats in the Senate are debating just making sure that the justices on the Supreme Court follow the ethics that everybody else has to. I mean, it's amazing that people who deliver your mail have much more stringent uh, ethics requirements than the highest court in the land. I think about when I was a congressional staffer, but man, we had disclosed everything. Anybody drop you off a bag of popcorn and you got to make sure that it's okay through the ethics. You got members of the the court having, you know, $1,000 bottles of wine and exclusive trips here and there and not disclosing any of that. All the while, while having some of those same people have business in front of the court. Um, so, you know, we got to get back to making sure that there's transparency, that there's fairness. Um, and Democrats want to do that while Republicans believe that it would destroy the court to have them actually have ethical requirements and standards, which is just amazing. It, it's, it's dangerous not to have it because this I mean, we're, the court is bought and paid for. Bought and paid for. Bought and paid for. How can you have a donor pay for your mama's house and not disclose that? So I hate to ask this, but I have to ask it just from a journalistic point of view. But we're talking about real ethics issues with the court. The other side wants to focus on Hunter Biden. I asked you if the Donald Trump legal troubles were gaining any traction. Are you hearing that this Hunter Biden stuff that they keep talking about is having any effect? And, and mind you, I know historically these things never have. As, as much as I hate to admit it, I'm old enough to remember Jimmy Carter and his brother. Uh, so, I mean, that was no, and, and you know, to be honest with you, uh, Billy ended up getting a lot of empathy. You know, it kind of backfired. People kind of, you know, embraced Billy. He, you know, he didn't always get it right, but people kind of felt sorry for him um, and that he was being exploited for political purposes. But is this, is, is this Hunter Biden stuff anything that makes you lose sleep at night when it comes to the reelection prospects or just what the, the public opinion is. Yeah, no, listen, Rev, you know, we know the president and the first lady love their son, just like any of us who have who are parents. Uh, you know, regardless of what happens, we love our kids and we want the best for them. And I can tell you that's what the president wants. Um, now, the Republicans want to make a political hay and political issues out, out of people's personal issues. 
Uh, they can do that all they want. But I go all around this country. I've been over 20 some odd uh, states uh, over the last few months. And I can tell you this. Ain't nobody talking about Hunter Biden. What they're talking about are jobs, how, how they can take care of their families. Uh, they're excited about the infrastructure opportunities that are now coming. The roads, the bridges, the clean water that's coming into their communities. Uh, they're excited about, you know, the, the prospects of a brighter future for their kids. Uh, and so that's what they're talking about. So Republicans can, you know, this party that doesn't have a platform, that doesn't have an agenda, hadn't passed anything meaningful out of the House um, that is worth a, a hill of beans. Um, and they want to spend all their time and their efforts on gotcha type things instead of focusing on the issues that the American people want them to focus on. Uh, so, you know, this administration is going to keep our heads down. Uh, this party is going to focus on the things that really matter to the American people. And we'll go from there. Beto O'Rourke is calling on the administration to respond to what's happening at the border in terms of, uh, of, of Jim Abbott and the way immigrants are being treated. You have a reaction uh, to that. Uh, Beto is saying that the Biden administration is really the only body, the only group that can intervene? Well, I know that, uh, you know, immigration issues are really, really important. I just uh, read today that uh, the Justice Department is, is calling on Abbott to address some of the dangerous things that he's doing, um, uh, you know, uh, stuff in the water, in the rivers, yeah. uh, you know, blades and all kinds of things that are just, I mean, inhumane. And again, somebody who probably claims that he's a Christian, but I, in the Jesus Christ that I read about, uh, that's in my Bible, would have never done anything like that. Um, you know, always focus on the least of these in our society. Um, these folks, I, I just don't understand what Bible they read um, because the, what they practice is something very, very different than what I'm taught. The president also uh, just today um, announced um, about AI, I guess, working in in partnership with several companies, seven, in fact. Um, what are your thoughts about artificial intelligence and the impact it could end up having on our culture and our community? Well, you know, I, I really think uh, as a nation, we have to get our arms around uh, the, the issue of AI. I mean, you know, technology develops at such a fast pace these days. Uh, you know, it, it's amazing to think where we are and how quickly things have evolved over just, you know, the last few decades. And they will continue to do that. But AI is something that can be useful, but at the same time uh, can be harmful. Uh, and, and we have to make sure that it is developed safely and responsibly uh, and that there are ramifications for the misuse of that. Uh, particularly if it is utilized in order to deceive somebody, to harm somebody, to discriminate against them. Um, and so I'm glad to see that the, the administration is leaning in. I'm glad to see them asking Congress to make sure that uh, it gives them the authority to be as aggressive as they need to be uh, in the space. Uh, and you know, I'm very particularly cautious about uh, just the possibilities, the misuse of AI as it relates to the political um, uh, arena, uh, creating ads and things that, uh, pretending to be using, utilizing somebody's voice when that person didn't say it, utilizing somebody's image. I mean, online now you can find 
uh, folks who have utilized AI in order to create the images of Donald Trump and Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, you know, uh, uh, just recently. So it, it's it's something that can be very very dangerous when it, it is misused, and it, it's important that we have the right standards um, uh, around around this as this technology continues to to evolve. Lastly, Mr. Chair, we good with the primary calendar? I, I think there was a little tension at some point, but but where are we on on that? South your state, South Carolina, is supposed to be first. South Carolina's still going to be first. I mean, that's what the DNC has is done. I know that you know there's still a back and forth. Uh, well, really, it sits with the um, New Hampshire folks to figure out what they want. We have proposed New Hampshire to be the second contest along with Nevada. Um, and that's the way that we are going to consider it. Uh, and if they go beforehand, again, the first contest in which we are going to uh, look at the delegates uh, one in that case, in that race and utilize that for the determination of who our nominee is, is South Carolina. Bottom line, um, that's straight, no chaser. Uh, South Carolina is going to be the first state. Uh, and the second date that we have is for New Hampshire and Nevada. Uh, three days later after the South Carolina race, and, and then we will move uh, move on to Michigan. So, you know, again, I feel good about where we're going. Uh, you know, Rev, one of the things that is remarkable to look, three out of the four of the early state chairs are all black women. That has never right. happened before ever. Uh, and that is part of the transformation that we are seeing in this party. And again, the transformation that Joe Biden has helped to lead as president of the United States. So now, just so we're not confused, the Republicans are going to keep their calendar. Yes. Is that right? And so, so Iowa will still go first on their calendar. Yes, Iowa, then uh, New Hampshire on their calendar, then I believe uh, South Carolina, and then Nevada uh, is how the Republican calendar shapes out. Right. Um, but but for for us, it will be uh, South Carolina. Uh, Nevada and New Hampshire are three days later. Then we will move to uh, Michigan uh, and then we'll open up for uh, Super Tuesday. So even if Republicans don't alter their calendar, the Democratic calendar is in place. Yes. All right. And, and so it'll be South Carolina, then Nevada, and New Hampshire. Yep. When does Iowa come in? Uh, Iowa is after uh, when we open up the general window, which is uh, and I don't know if they've set a date yet, but okay. uh, it'll be uh, once Super Tuesday opens up, which is that first Tuesday in March. And now just to be clear, three of the four first states, do I have that right, are chaired by African-American women? That's correct. Uh, South Carolina, Nevada and Michigan. And Michigan. Amazing. Amazing. And that's history unto itself. That's history in and of itself. First time that it has ever happened. Um, and so, you know, is again, something to be proud of. And as I, I've said this so many times to people, and you just think about this. For 50 years, it was Iowa, New Hampshire, states that did not, the good states, good people, but not totally reflective of the diversity of this country. And now you have states with significant black and brown populations that are going to be a part of the mix in determining the most powerful person on the face of this earth. Uh, you know, South Carolina alone, 40% of enslaved people in this country came through the Port of Charleston. 
about 90% National Geographic said 90% of African Americans in this country can trace one, at least one ancestor to South Carolina. Uh, and so it's important to reset that agenda, reset uh, who's a part and who's at the table. And Joe Biden made sure to include uh, the most reliable demographic in the Democratic Party, black folks, to make sure not only that they're at the table, but they, they're, leading, they're leading the prayer. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and after all, I was in South Carolina where he pledged to appoint African-American woman to the Supreme yes. Court. I, I believe that that's going to be it's important for women to be in leadership across the board. Because I really think think Dobbs is going to be one of the most motivating issues at the polls, especially for women and, and frankly, for men who are allies who believe in women's bodily autonomy. So I think that's going to make a difference, as well as all the other issues we've discussed, folks. Well, and and one of the things that you see also rev this campaign is that we're going to pay also not only to issues that impact women, but, you know, there are men that are part of our coalition as well that we want to make sure that they understand that we are working on issues that, that they are focused on as well. Our black men and Latino men uh, you know, making sure that uh, they can provide for their families, uh, that they have the economic security, that uh, issues that are important to them um, are, are also part of that agenda. So I, we want to make sure that everybody feels like they are part of this big coalition and that they have a role to play uh, and that they can benefit from all of the things that we are doing to make America uh, uh, as strong as she can be. You know, I, I, and I, I know I said last, but I'm glad you brought that up. And, and I think we did that a couple of years ago. We had sessions with black men because we know there's an op being run. Yes. To alienate black men from the party. I'm saying this, y'all, this ain't the chairman. I'm saying I think it's Russian, but, you know, I can say that. I don't want him to say that. But but it's just an op on social media, right? It just popping up. We brothers, me and Jamie, know we hang around brothers every day. Some of the conversation that conversation that's taking place online, on Twitter, and elsewhere, when it comes to black men, are not everyday conversations that Jamie and I and the rest of you have as black men. It's just like, so where is that coming from? That's why I think it's an op. And I, well, I know it's an op. So no, that is an important, and, and and maybe that's what we got to get back to, frankly. You know, well, have these conversations. Yeah. Uh, you know, very soon, Rev, I'm going to be announcing, you know, we're doing things in partnership with a number of groups, a number of folks, you know, and would love to have you be a part of those discussions as well, uh, where we're going around the country, just having frank, honest conversation and more for on my part, listening more than talking. Uh, you know, the, one of the things that I, I know is that you go in these communities and even if there's the most impoverished community or a community that's really working. A lot of folks not only know the problems, but they also know the solutions. The problem is they don't have the resources to bring to bear in order to make those solutions real. Well, guess what? You got a president who is willing uh, in order to be a big partner in that effort. And so uh, we're going to go around and having those conversations. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we did a little of it in the midterms, but we're going to do a whole lot more of it going into uh, going into this uh, this fall's election and the elections to come. I, I'm all for it. I'm all in. The facts speak for themselves. Folks, when when you don't vote, I mean, I'm just going to be saying it. And I'm, I mean, I'm partisan. But just think about this. If you don't vote. You still voting. Yes. You're helping the opposition when we don't exercise our right to vote and make our choices. You're still casting a vote for the minority party. Minority. 
control like we have really because of the filibuster in the Senate. We have on the Supreme Court. I mean, what do we what's another word for minority control, minority government, minority dominance is apartheid. So that's why people are able to make decisions and they harm us. Affirmative action, everything else, LGBT rights um, on the block. So when you don't vote. That's what happens. And I'm sorry, I didn't let you go. So in terms of voting, though, and, and wasted votes and harmful votes, is, is Joe Manchin for real? What do you think about that? He's flirting with running for president. How on earth is that helpful? What is he up to? Well, I hope the senator will just run for re-election in West Virginia. Uh, he has shown that he can win in West Virginia. And I think that's probably the best situation is for him. We need him to run for re-election there in West Virginia. So, you know, the senator and I are not always on the same page on a lot of things. And uh, but, you know, much rather have him there uh, than have West Virginia Senate Republican that I won't agree zero percent with. Uh, but I, I hope that he runs for re-election there. And, and I know that there are a lot of folks who are working and talking with him about doing just that. Rev, I, I've lost you. I can't. I can't. Can you hear me now? There I can you hear you now. Yeah. You, notice the chair said West Virginia. He, he'd rather not work with a West Virginia Senate Republican. He didn't say he'd rather not Joe Manchin be president, because I think we all know if he runs, he ain't going to win the presidency. And, and the only thing that can happen is that votes will be pulled away potentially from Joe Biden. Well, he's going to be Joe Biden's going to be nominated. So the only person pulled votes away from is Joe Biden. It's not going to hurt the Republican as much. So, I mean, that's the point. And, and to do that, to be a spoiler, to do anything to help the potential Republican nominee, whether it be Trump or DeSantis, DeSantis is just as bad because he's teaching slavery, wants us to learn slavery was a good thing. And we learned from it. No difference. Um, but that's the point. We, we don't need anybody. We saw what happened in other races. We saw what happened with Hillary Clinton. Um, and potentially what the Green Party did there, what Jill Stein did there, what happened with Ralph Nader in 2000, Al Gore, that just is not helpful. Not helpful. At all. At <laughs> all. <laughs> all right, man. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Um, our brother, Jamie Harrison, follow him on Twitter, uh, at, uh, Harrison, Jamie, uh, follow the Democrats everywhere. Now, oh, oh, 72 million raised. So you good. You don't need no more money, right? You, no, you still, no, we, you, listen, need, you guys need some more money. Tell people where to go. <laughs> tell me go with those small, these small dollar donations, y'all. That's small 72 million dollars. So your friends and neighbors. JoeBiden.com. Joe make a donation today, or you can go to Democrats.org. But JoeBiden.com, make a donation. Again, it doesn't matter. $2, $3, $5. All of it helps in terms of protecting democracy for all of us, not only now, but for our kids and grandkids in the future. The chair of the DNC, Jamie Harrison. Thanks as always, my brother. Thank you, brother. You take care of yourself and see you on the road. Yes, sir. Definitely see you on the road. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter 
to a sister brother who just so happens to find her himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand, and above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love, and please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.